The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Today marks the 100th anniversary of the death of Arthur Griffith, founder of uh, Sinn Féin. He led the treaty negotiations uh, that led to the Anglo-Irish uh, Treaty and he was president uh, of the Dáil as well from early 1922 until his death. Like I say, this day 100 years ago. Robbie Smith is with me in studio. He's the editor of On Fublock. He's a former General Secretary of Sinn Féin and the author of The Invisible Republic, The Economics of Socialism and Republicanism in the 21st century. Uh, Robbie, you're welcome to the show. I want to ask you about uh, Griffith and his relationship with both of those things, socialism <laughs> and republicanism, uh, in just a moment. But, I mean, the, the idea that he's kind of the forgotten man, I've heard that phrase a few times today in the last couple of days. Is that fair? I don't think so. On one level, there's a lot of other people have forgotten, like Richard Mulcahy, Owen Duffy, you know, Barton, who was at the treaty, Childers. There's a lot of a lot of people from that revolutionary period that nobody remembers. So I think it's unfair, maybe, in a way, to single out, you know, that Griffith isn't at his centenary. As he, other people's centenaries come up, I yeah. wonder. I think it's because of the Collins thing. And that there's a big, there's going to be a big focus on Collins. And he always seems to be the, 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 um, the, the person with the cape <laughs> and, uh, and and uh, and Griffith I think that was in his own life he was that per- he was always the person beside the person yes he did though shape did he our, oh, our, our that, without, young nation without doubt this is the 33rd Doyle and uh, he played a huge part in forming the first one by the idea of get the, the MPs to form their own assembly so mm. what happened in the mansion house in 1919 was directly his thinking and that shows just how one person can shape the behaviour of a whole rake of people and that's a huge thing from proportional representation was something that he favoured so there's some great great things that he shaped our country um, he wasn't very supportive of the workers in 1913 um, he thought it was a British conspiracy a British capitalist to undermine Irish trade so you know, there's a. He wasn't a Republican. He wasn't a Socialist. Well, let, let's talk about that then. In what ways was he not a Republican? Um, well, I think that was the, the fatal flaw. I think that was emerging in the cabinet in in 1921, 22. They didn't understand the notion of Republican struggle, and in some sense, they turned a blind eye to how the Revolutionary War was being fought and what was happening outside Dublin um, and the ideology of the like the, the democratic program of the first all forgotten. Um, they were very much about building a state. So if you think about it, by 1923, um, 58,000 soldiers, 13,000 Republicans in prison, um, not a republic. The His view, though, as well on, on government and and. The constitution of the state, as well as an interesting one, he he had been a proponent of this notion of dual monarchy. Isn't that true? Yeah. Well, in fairness to him, now he had a, maybe to put it in modern parlance, a Lynn Truss method of changing his mind quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> and he was a dual monarchist, and he at the time, like if you look at the treaty, a dual monarchy, so that, that was the idea. We, we would be an independent nation from Great Britain, but we would both share the same king slash queen. Yeah, yeah, and if you look at the treaty debates, he makes a big issue of the fact that we'd be on a par with Canada, we'd be on a par with Australia. This was, you know, we were equal nations with these. These were great nations, or emerging great nations. Mm. That that was the deal. Um, he he wasn't a Republican and he didn't see that 
as being, you know, his his imperative at all. Yeah, it's it's funny because in those treaty debates, am I right in thinking that he was a much more vocal defender of the treaty than even say Collins? Like, like uh, other some of the others, and maybe, and you'll know more about this. But I'm asking some of the others. I get since they, they 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 saw the flaws in it, and this was kind of you know the great line, the stepping stone, or whatever, however you want to describe it. He he was more. No, this is possibly an in an, an end in and of itself. And I don't know if that's true. I think he did see the flaws. I think okay. he knew the flaws before he went. Right. And I okay. think that's the you know the person we should really talk about in the mess that was the treaty is Eamon de Valera. He sent him off with a mess yeah. <laughs> and they came back with a slightly this is something the movie got right yeah. it? Dev knew what he was doing <laughs> with, with a slight well I, I think he was very duplicitous in, in the position he put him in um, and, and when he when he came back with the treaty he, he says it himself um, we went there to get the best settlement, settlement possible consistent with the honour and the interests of Ireland and then he says later we brought back the name of the state the army the flag and it's for Dáil Éireann to say whether they believe that is dishonourable. So he actually is very quiet in the treaty debates. Okay. Um, Michael Collins grandstands the whole way through and it's like he's picking fights with people. Him and Carl Brewer have this back and forward, back and forward throughout the, throughout the debate. Um, Art Griffith states his case. States he, his, he was very annoyed about being hung out by De Valera and he does pub- he does leak the document number two to the Freeman's Journal and the Irish Independent mm. but, but De Valera in the debate had said that he was prepared to share it with the public but he didn't up to that point. Well, so so his, his relationship in, with Republicanism is, is maybe not as straightforward as some might think. What about with, with socialism? I don't think so at all. I don't I think he he was he would be in today's world, a spiritual home in Fine Gael, and particularly maybe Garth Fitzgerald's Fine Gael, and uh, he did have a social justice conscience. Yeah, he did see that side of the world. He did see the poverty. Like if you think about it, the the Dublin that he came to be an adult in and became to be politically active in was, you know, a place of massive inequality. And you can see in his work, I actually think we're missing something in the centenary of of uh, the decade of centenaries that there was a significant amount of people who wrote extensively. So Griffith, Collins, Pierce, Connolly, um, McDonough, Sean McDermott, their works are not in shops. And I think the the centenary committee missed something by not making that work accessible to everybody so they could read these things and make up their own mind rather than reading, you know, like there's three biographies of um, of Griffith. One. How accessible are they, though? Well, at least you An have academic been... like yourself, Nero, you might sit down no, and read I'm, them. I'm, I'm, I mean, are, are people going to be reading them on the beach this Sunday? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. I read, um, what do you call it, the um, the Cottle Brewer book sitting on a beach earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was very, it was very readable. Um, I, I, but at least people have, the, at least you could go into Hodges Figgis and see, that's Pierce, that's what Griffith said. Occasionally you see his book. Mm. But I think if people could take it off the shelf and think, you yeah, know, what, what do I think? What were his views on violence and, and, and armed resistance? Well, we don't know. We do know that he condemned certain actions in, in, in the 1919-2021 period mm. and he seemed to have turned a blind eye to lots of others. Um, yeah. He wasn't a supporter of Ernie O'Malley. He wasn't a supporter of the Hambreen who were essentially fighting the, the outside of Dublin the mass bits of the War of Independence. Um, but at the time that war was happening 
with with a the split between Cahill Brewer and Mulcahy and Collins over who there was essentially three people in charge of that that revolutionary war. So you could see in his point of view he he took a step back. Yeah. We don't we don't hear his voice. Then we don't we can't see what the cabinet said at those meetings. Yeah. We've no ex- examples of cabinet records about what people did or didn't say. At the it time. sounds like it's kind of he's he is maybe a hard individual to pin down. Is yeah, well, I think I I think maybe we should, if you want to remember him in a good way, he did some exceptional things. He stood aside from being president of Sinn Féin to let de Valera be president. Mm. And then de Valera went off to the United States and he became acting president. So he effectively was there at the birth of the state. Um, and then when de Valera came back, he took a step back again. You know, so there's stuff like that. He's the person who made things happen in some sense. The outcome of that was not, I don't think, great. Ireland of 1923, censorship, an armed peace in both Northern Ireland and, and Southern Ireland. Um, not a great legacy. Yeah. Well, listen, as you say, I suppose Collins will take over uh, uh, from next week, uh, but perhaps there will be uh, stuff in the papers uh, this weekend that maybe people can dig into and learn a little bit more about Arthur Griffith. Maybe this conversation will prompt them to go out and look for those writings. You have to look a little harder than Robbie might like. But anyway, Robbie Smith, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining me uh, here in studio. Robbie is the editor of Unfoblocked. He's the former General Secretary of Sinn Féin. He's also the author of The Invisible Republic, The Economics of Socialism and Republicanism in the 21st century The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from 4 on News Talk